we know that some of the purpose of that kind of, you know, marketing is to make us want to buy their products. And yet at the same time, human beings generally desire authenticity. It's why something like visual realism is is taking place in the marketing space because they realize that the super high polished images people are rejecting as marketing. That that where we are as a culture and as a society right now, we are desperate for more authenticity. You are listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. The Real Estate Sessions podcast is part of the Industry Syndicate Media Network. For additional real estate podcasts, check out industrysyndicate.com. Now, your host, Bill Rissa. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 188 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. As we trundle on down the road to 200 episodes. It's exciting. It'll be sometime this summer. Still trying to figure out who the guest will be. We'll have a blast with that. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I'm, I've, I've just got a lineup that just keeps getting better and better. Uh, today, I get to talk to uh, somebody from one of my favorite tech companies in real estate. I've been a, a member since 2012 of BombBomb. And uh, we get to talk to Alicia Baruti, who is the national spokesperson. She's the one that's the face of the company out there at all the conferences. Uh, and I got a chance to see a couple of her episodes of what they're doing on on BombBomb. And I said, I got to get her on the show. And she said, yes. So, Alicia, thank you uh, for being on the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's fun to be on the other side. Yeah. When you when you ask questions all the time and get to answer them, it's it's kind of a twist, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, it it was certainly less stressful getting ready for this one. I didn't have to put too much thought into it. It was great. Yeah, that's true. There's not a whole lot of homework. That's good. Um, so I, like, I start every show really the same way. It's kind of formulaic, but I know you're in Colorado Springs because that's kind of the headquarters of, of uh, BombBomb, but you were, uh, you were born in Vancouver, BC, right? Yeah. So I was actually, I was born on the East coast of Canada, but I spent most of my growing up in Vancouver, BC. And that is definitely what I would still consider home when people ask me where home is. So I I grew up in kind of the suburbs of Vancouver. Okay. I, my wife and I made a couple trips up there in the eighties. I don't think you were around and um, I'm older than I look Bill. Okay. All right. Well, we were there in (laughs) 85 and 87. So, uh, And it is a beautiful city. I, I tried to tell people, if you want to see what Europe's like in on, in North America, mm. go to downtown Vancouver. It's just gorgeous. Stanley Park yeah. is amazing. Yeah. So tell tell people about the area and, uh, and, and really what it's like growing up in Western Canada. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, I hadn't been home in almost 20 years and I was out there um, fall of 2017. And I knew that Vancouver was beautiful. I knew that the lower mainland is breathtaking, but I really forgot how incredible it was until I was out there again as an adult. It just, there's there's mountains, you're surrounded by mountains everywhere. You're right on the ocean. Uh, Vancouver is basically a tropical rainforest uh, climate in the sense um, the amount of moisture that we get. So it's just it's lush vegetation everywhere. Yeah, you do get lots of rain like Seattle. But I I grew up there in such a outdoor active lifestyle. It's one of the reasons why I love being able to raise my kids in Colorado, because 
growing up in Vancouver, we spent our weekends hiking and at the lake and in the mountains because it's all right there at your fingertips, kind of like we have here. Yeah, I mean, Colorado Springs, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, from one beautiful place to another, uh, that's for sure. Let's let's talk about, so growing up there, you know, a little birdie told me, and, and I, I've got to ask this question, it's it's just part of, it's part of my DNA is to pry, but you, you have kind of a very unique, you had a unique first career. Can we talk about that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yes, the rumor is true. I was a child actor. Um, yeah. So Vancouver is is kind of people refer to it as Hollywood North. There's a massive uh, film and and TV industry there, and I knew that I wanted to be a performer in in front of people before I even started kindergarten. So being in Vancouver, there was a lot of a lot of that influence around. And when I was about eleven, I started begging my parents to let me get an agent. And they finally <laughs> relented and took me to a agency that worked with kids. And, you know, they did the whole, asked me some questions and talked to me and had me read some scripts and did a camera test and they signed me. And the, the fun part is that my very first uh, professional audition that I went on uh, was a children's series. It was that they were, it was for a kids club and they were sending, we were building videos and kind of episodes and they were sending them out to the subscribers in the club. But my very first professional audition, I booked a series. Wow. That, that is, uh, the, that is an anomaly, right? That's, that's oh, an, it, it definitely set me up to be real disappointed for subsequent <laughs> audition. So, so you're 11 years old. Uh, that had to be just thrilling. I'm sure going back to school was like either super cool or awkward or whatever, but tell me, tell me, um, how long did that continue on? So I did that for a couple years there there wasn't a ton of work for me at that stage. And as I, you know, as I kind of got into my teenage years, I was less concerned with booking gigs and more just wanting to be with my friends with the intention, honestly, that I was always going to be an actor. When I finished high school, my big plan was that I was going to move to LA and be an actor. So I didn't, I only did that for really a couple of years, but stayed very, stayed very active in, in school theater programs and things like that. Well, let's talk about post-school then. What, what brought you to the States? Was it this, this pursuing this career or was it something else? Yeah. So, so I kind of, I kind of took a roundabout way to get to where I'm at right now. But um, so we left Vancouver when I was uh, still in high school. So we moved back to the East coast of Canada while I was in high school, which um, if you have teenagers, you can imagine that when you move a teenager in the middle of high school, they're not really thrilled about it. No, I'm sure there was some drama a little <laughs> there bit. There was definitely some drama. And okay. so I, as soon as I finished high school, I, I wanted to go. Now, I was 17 when I graduated from high school. So I, my big plan was I was going to move to Texas. My sister lived in Texas. I was only 17. I couldn't sign a lease or anything. So I was going to move to Texas, save money for a year, and uh, then go to LA and be a movie star. 
So I moved down to Texas and was living in Dallas, got my my very first grown-up job, and very shortly after, actually met my ex-husband and the father of my three children, who was in the military. So I was all starry-eyed and (laughs) followed him around, and we got stationed down in Florida, and my daughter was actually born down in Florida. Whereabouts in Florida? Uh, the Panhandle, Fort Walton Beach, Destin sure. okay. area. Yep. Okay. So now you're obviously the career, it, the, is it kind of takes a backseat or is it kind of over? Because now you've found, you know, your, your, your love, you found, you have children. So you're heading down a different path now. Yeah, very, very much headed down a different path at all. You know, I was a baby. I was so right. young when all of that happened. I, I got married when I was 20 and had three children by the time I was 25. So I was swept up in the madness of having little tiny children. When my when my youngest was born, who's now 10, I had a three-year-old, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and a newborn. So wow. I was really... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I meant that in the best possible way. <laughs> it, it was definitely an adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. So, so you're... How do you end up in Colorado Springs, I guess? Because you're we still we're leaving you in Florida at the moment. Yeah, leaving me in Florida. So the military. We okay. there's several, several bases here. My uh my ex-husband was in the Air Force. And so we ended up coming here through the Air Force. And then my two boys were were born here in Colorado Springs. Okay. And yeah. how, so you've been there how long now? Oh man, about twelve and a half years, I think. Okay. Long so time. You, I know you you only you've been with Bomb Bomb about four years or so. Am I on close on that? So yeah. what did you do in yeah. that in the is there anything you did in the meantime? Yeah. So I uh when I was down in Florida before um before I started having babies, I was a massage therapist and mm-hmm. kept my license active. Um, even when I was staying at home with the kids, I was primarily a stay-at-home mom until you know, my life dramatically shifted about seven years ago, but I kept my massage license active. I loved being a massage therapist. And um, after my divorce, I went back to doing massage, which I really, I love the work of doing massage, but the two, the two biggest hurdles are you have a very low uh, cap as a massage therapist, because there's only so many hours in a day that you can have your hands on a person, which is a weird thing to say, but it's true. As a massage therapist, um, you can only, you're only making money when you actually have a person on your table. So it's not like you can put the kids to bed and then hustle. (laughs) So (laughs) that was one of the reasons. And then the average career span for a massage therapist is about seven years. And I had been doing it for about 13 years at that point. And my body was just starting to break down. I was in pain constantly. So I, you know, I knew that I needed, I need, knew that I needed to find a switch. And then that was, that was kind of how I discovered bomb bomb, which I'm, I'm probably jumping to your next question. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how did that discovery happen and, and, um, you know, you're starting with the company. Yeah, I love my bomb bomb story. So I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> I um, so I started looking around and and the the situations of my life had me had me personally in a place where I didn't really know what I was capable of. And I didn't really believe that I was capable of very much. 
I got married very young. I had these kids. I didn't go to college. And I I just, I didn't have a lot of belief in myself. And so when I started looking for something outside of massage, I thought that my my best prospects were going to be a receptionist or, you know, doing clerical work at a dentist's office. I just, I didn't really know what I was capable of. And uh, I knew someone, a friend knew about BombBomb and told me about it. And my initial thought was, what on earth would I possibly do at a tech company? And kind of blew it off. And a couple, about two months later, after he initially mentioned it to me, he said, listen, they're hiring. I really think you should apply. So the very first thing that BombBomb has you do when you apply is you have to record a video. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. They they want you to send in a video with the three reasons why you think you would be a good fit for the company. So immediately, my comfortability with being on camera was an asset to me. Mm-hmm. So I sent in my video and um, went through the extensive hiring process and they decided to bring me on in customer support, which even that blew my mind because I, you know, I wasn't super tech savvy, but I was and I was honest through the interview process about where I felt about what my skill set was with tech. And um, on the very first day, my orientation day at BombBomb, our, uh, he's now our VP of operations, but he was the vice president of client success at the time. And we're sitting in orientation and he says right away, first day, I know that some of you are sitting here feeling like you're lucky to be here. But the truth is, is that we are lucky to have you. And the reason why you are sitting here is because we think that you are going to be an asset to our company. And I cried <laughs> right wow. there in orientation. <laughs> Well, I, I, look, I'm writing that line down. We're, we're working on a new onboarding process at our company. So <laughs> what, a, what a great start. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's so in, it's so indicative of of the culture here, both in the way that they treat their employees and the way that they treat their customers. Um, it really it was really a gift to to have my entrance to that company in that manner. We're going to talk about your path within BombBomb, but. First off, I, I want to ask this question. It's I, I've had I've talked to other people about it, and I, I think I'm seeing some of this happening. But it seems like BombBomb really focused hard on real estate in the beginning, but mm-hmm. uh, much like a tool like Happy Grasshopper did, right? It was yeah. a heavy real estate, but boy, there are a lot of people that need to connect and use video and a lot of other industries. So, what are there have to, is there probably some organic growth there, but is there a targeted effort by BombBomb to kind of expand those verticals? And if so, what are kind of your your top targets. Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly enough, we didn't start as a real estate tool. Um, we started as a sales tool. Our mm-hmm. our CEO and president, our two co-founders, they were doing sales and they were looking for a way to stay face-to-face with their customers in a way that would uh, keep their renewals rolling in. So it started as a sales tool and you know they as any small business startup they they struggled for years and then they finally found their stride actually in the real estate space and then we blew up so the other verticals that have really come naturally are obviously mortgage and title 
Um, auto has been a vertical that we really, we haven't pursued, but we have a lot of people in the audio industry coming to us. And then the two that we're really going after um, hard right now is customer service mm -hmm. and then sales. So we built a Zendesk integration. Uh, Zendesk is a ticketing software. We use it. Um, they're a huge company. Lots of lots of companies use Zendesk. And um, we're seeing really, really incredible results with customer service reps using it in that space because not only is it easier for them to respond to a customer's question over video, we communicate most naturally by speaking. It can take a lot of work to type out an email to try and explain a technical issue, whereas right. they can right. just record the video. But the response that our customer service clients are getting from their clients in being communicated that way is off the charts. People love it. So wow, we're definitely pursuing customer service. Yeah. A Zendesk integration makes perfect sense. I mean, that's... Uh... Yep. Think about it. Think about all those, all, all we're doing all day long. It seems like uh, at least at least older people are calling support or emailing support <laughs> and trying to get help. So that's great. Let yeah. me. Uh, I want to. I want to go back a, a bit. So you're, you start your career in customer support. Mm -hmm. I I imagine that you saw like the same mistakes like over and over with new users as they were trying to figure it out. Maybe they're calling in, going, "Why can't I do?" Is there one thing that stands out like? wow, this was really, you know, something that people struggled with? I think from a technical standpoint, we, you know, there's always mic and camera issues when people first are, are mm -hmm. trying to get started. And that stuff is kind of unavoidable. Just the normal, your, your computer's trying to connect to a software and wants access to the microphone and things like that. So that's definitely really common. I still think the number one, the number one thing that people struggle with when they're trying to implement this kind of communication and implement video into their business is the overthinking it. Their fear that that people are going to think it's silly or that, you know, they don't look good enough or they don't like the sound of their voice. This is it continues to be the number one thing that people struggle with is getting over that initial hurdle of of being in their head about it. Let's tackle that here. You know, that's uh, part of it. what you did and it's part of what you do now, right? Is I, I imagine many, many conversations when as you're traveling around the country, conferences and even speaking is, it's going to be, look, let's just ask it. How do you help customers get over their fear? There's, there's a few aspects to it. I think the the methodology that BombBomb has always kind of subscribed to was the, which is true is that you look the way you look, you sound the way you sound, get over it. Which on one hand is very, very true. I, in my in the time I've spent on the road in the last couple of years where I'm face to face with a lot of our customers, I've shifted my perspective even on how I coach and teach on getting over that because you can only have so many people come up to you and very seriously look at you in the eye and say, that you know their coach has been telling them a long time they need to do video, but they're too scared. Or to have someone look at you and say, I know I'm supposed to be doing video, but I hate the way I look. Once that happens to you a few times, when you're face to face with someone, get over it doesn't work anymore. So I, 
I've shifted some of the way I talk about this. And, and the first thing that I really want people to remember and come back to is, is that on a regular basis for, for many years now, we are bombarded with marketing images that are meant to make us feel like we are inadequate, right? You got to lose more weight. You need to change your hair. You got to do that. There's so many messages that we're receiving on a regular basis, which we all know. Right. We know that some of the purpose of that kind of, you know, marketing is to make us want to buy their products. And yet at the same time, human beings generally desire authenticity. It's why something like visual realism is is taking place in the marketing space, because they realize that the super high polished images people are rejecting as marketing, that that where we are as a culture and as a society right now, we are desperate for more authenticity, which brings us back to this you know, the who you are as a sales professional, if you're a real estate agent, if you're, you know, sell cars, if you are a, you know, loan officer for a mortgage company, regardless of what industry you are in, who you are as a human being is the value that you bring to your clients. If you're a real estate agent, people do not work with you because you're attractive. And maybe if you are attractive, you might get one or two people that want to work with you for that reason. But those aren't actually the customers that you're working with on a regular basis. Those aren't the people that are helping build your business. It's people that connect with you as a human. So the first thing that I want people to remember when they're trying to get over the fear of being on video is that the value you bring is who you are as a person, not if you look good enough to be on the cover of a magazine. I love that. <laughs> and I'm going to use that tomorrow at a video presentation in Fort Myers. So <laughs> good, good. Thank and you. Thank you, Alicia. It's great. I, it's just it's absolutely I'm, true. Yeah. I'm so passionate about it because because number one, authenticity is a big, it's a big important thing for me. I I I don't want authentic or authenticity to ever become a buzzword because it really does matter. Yeah. I think I think being willing to show our humanity to other people, it reminds us that we're all the same. We're all just trying to figure it out. And and the other side that goes along with that is is no one is comfortable with the way they look or with the way their voice sounds. I, uh, we talked about this at the beginning. I've been uh, appearing on camera as a professional actor since I was 12 years old. I do tons of video for Bomb Bomb. I do the Bombcast. I do our training videos. I host webinars. I send one-to-one -one videos on a regular basis. I can tell you with 100% complete sincerity that when I watch my videos back, I have just as much criticism for myself as we all do. We notice, we pick up on, on, the, oh, I said, um, too many times, or we pick up on the little things in our features that maybe we don't love. No one else is thinking about that. That's, that's, that's something that you're doing. No one watches back, you know, your video and starts, you know, critiquing the sound of your voice. It's not, that's not what people do. We, we only do that to ourselves. So I tell people all the time, don't watch your videos and they'll laugh and then go, really? Yes, really. Don't watch your video. There's no reason to watch your video back unless you think you have spinach in your teeth. Don't do it. Just hit send. Obviously, I, I think I'm, I've am i got to be hearing 
some bits and pieces and parts of some of your presentations that you do around the country and because you're very passionate <laughs> about this. So uh, it's awesome. So let's let's talk about your your new role there because it's, it's been there almost a year in this new role, right? Where you're the uh, national spokesperson. I, I want to see if I've got that right. Let's talk about national that. national speaker is the actual title. Um, okay. Yeah. So I. So in my time at BombBomb, I spent, um, I started in support and I wasn't in support for very long. They moved me to inside sales. I did inside sales for about a year and a half. Um, Then I did enterprise sales for a year and a half. And over my time doing enterprise sales, I was starting to create opportunities for myself to speak in front of larger groups. Um, number one, because I love it. And number two, I discovered that I'm actually pretty good at it. So I, I kind of, I kind of got the ball rolling just by, you know, creating those kinds of opportunities. Cause I wanted to do it, not really knowing that it would grow into something greater. And the need arose at bomb bomb for them to actually have someone in the position of speaker. And so Last June, um, they promoted me to this role of national speaker with a title that sounds bougie, but although it's not really. <laughs> so I That's spent. Great. <laughs> it is. There's a lot of people at Bomb Bomb that have been here for a while with me that uh, they like to take jabs at me jokingly. Oh, there goes the national speaker. <laughs> it's all yeah, good. I could imagine that. That's fun walking down the hallway at times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I spend most of my time educating and inspiring, which is amazing. I, you know, I do conferences, I do breakout sessions, um, I do webinars, I do smaller in offices at our big trade shows. I'm in the booth doing in booth presentations, talking to people. It's, it's really fun. I basically get to do all of my favorite things on a regular basis. Using using video and email, mm-hmm. it it's really something that the founders um, solved because it was always an issue and always a hassle. And I imagine there's still some people, and I'm going to go ahead and throw old timers like me back in there that just go, ah, I'd never use video and email. It never works and people can't open it. Is, it. is that like the biggest misconception or is there something I'm missing? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest misconception, we get the question all the time. I get it on webinars. I get it in Q and A's after sessions. You know, why can't I just do this myself? Well, you could, but it requires a lot of extra steps. For example, video files are massive. If you've ever tried to take a video of your dog or a baby and send it to grandma, and then your phone tells you this video is too big to send, you have to trim it, and then you're frustrated because who has editing stuff at their fingertips? So video files are huge. So if I were to pull out my phone right now and try and email you a video, it's going to send it as an attachment that someone has to download. And so the real, the, the big hurdle that we solved for people is the speed to video. Even if you, even if you didn't want to send it as an attachment, well, could you send it another way? Yeah, you could upload it to YouTube who would host the file for you. And then you would want to make sure you make it private. And then you would have to take the link and take the link back to the email. So, so speed to video is one of the big things we solved. You're really, it takes less time to record a bomb bomb video and then it pops right into an email when you're done recording. You don't have to upload it anywhere. But then the other side that we really solved is ease of use for the recipient. 
right? You're not asking, you're not asking a client to download a video file that then they have to open on QuickTime or what if their QuickTime isn't up to date? Now they have to update that. There's, there's no barrier to them being able to watch your video. All they have to do is just press play. And that's been, that's been the, the pinnacle of what we do for over a decade now is easy to record and send and easy to consume. Now there's a ton of other things that we do in addition to that, you know, when you're talking about tracking and we take the first three seconds of your video and we animate it into a three second GIF so that when someone opens your email, they see motion in the inbox. And, you know, there's lots of things that we do, but at the most basic level, the problem that we do solve for people is speed to video for you and ease of use and consumption for your recipient. You know, the bomb bomb that I signed up for in 2012 was a lot different than the bomb bomb that people oh, signed yeah. up for in 2019. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk, let's talk about like maybe the last couple uh, improvements and things that have rolled out just so people understand this is yeah. not the bomb bomb you saw seven or eight years ago. Yes. These are not the droids you are looking for. <laughs> yeah, Correct. We, there you go. <laughs> we have done a lot in the last little bit. You know, our Gmail integration has been out for a couple years now, but our Gmail and our Outlook are huge. Number one, because it, it gives you the ability to write inside of your inbox while you are typing away emails inside of Gmail or inside of Outlook, you can press a record button and record a video that pops right there into your email in your normal day-to-day -day workflow without having to navigate anywhere else. The, the bomb bomb that you bought back in 2012, you had to log into a web platform and you can still use the yeah. web platform. We have lots of customers that do. So that was a big one for us. Um, most recently, some of the stuff we've done that we're really excited about, um, number one was a screen recorder, which has been... Wow. You know, we we did it as as a value add, but I don't know that we ever expected the kind of use and response that we have from so many people in our industry, in all of the industries. If you think about how often you're trying to explain complicated information to someone, whether you're on the phone and you're trying to explain a contract to someone or, you know, if you're in the customer service space and you're trying to explain a piece of technology to someone on the phone, it can be massively frustrating. So the screen recorder is huge because it gives it gives our customers the ability to, you know, as fast as it would take them to record a video, they can record their screen and have their video with it because there are tons of companies on the market that do screen recording, but um, they don't necessarily have the video and the audio aspect built right into it. And ours has your video down in the corner of the screen recording so you can provide that human context to whatever's on the screen. So, I mean, we're even seeing, I have a, a customer who uses the screen recorder to do Google um, Earth, <laughs> neighborhood comps for people, right? Because he, he'll use Google Earth and show the image of the neighborhood and show them exactly what everything around their house is selling for. It, traditionally, to do something like that, you'd have to be sitting at someone's kitchen table and now he can just send that off to someone in an instant. 
it was such a big deal uh, for me initially with BombBomb was to, was to be able to schedule campaigns, you know, with video, oh, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. that's been around forever. And still, I'm still, I'm sure it's still popular. Yep, it sure is. Yep, the scheduling is yeah. huge. We have scheduling built into our Gmail integration as well. So even if you're not sending a video with your email, you can schedule an email out inside of Gmail to go at another point in time. I, I love that one. Now, obviously I, I use it with video, but I tell sales professionals all the time, when you're wrapping up a call with someone and they're not ready to give you their business in that moment and they say, you know, hey, Alicia, I really appreciate your time. I just, I've got too much on my plate. Can we revisit this in two months? Awesome, absolutely. When I hang up the phone, I record them a video right there. Hey, Bill, the last time we spoke, you asked me to give you a call in two months time. I just wanted to reach out and, you know, see if we could find a time that would work. Send reply to this email with a couple dates and time that work with your schedule and we'll connect. So I can hang up the phone, record that video and schedule it to go out for two months later. Wow. Yeah. yeah I hope I hope these I hope my listeners are listening. This is great stuff. So. Thank you for all of this. I, I'm looking at the clock. It's I, I said about a half hour, so I like to stick to people's time. So I'm going to ask you the same final question I've asked every guest. And it doesn't matter whether they've been a realtor. I think everybody, you know, that's been around the industry, like you have now for the last, you know, four and a half, five years, you kind of have a sense of what realtors do. Yes. So let's, uh, what yeah. the question is this, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? This is a great question. The one piece of advice that I would give a new agent starting in the business is figure out how to provide value to the people around you and don't worry so much about talking about yourself. I, I see, I see this over and over and over with real estate agents. They're everything that they send their database is they're just listed and they're just sold. And on, on their social media, it's all about, it's all about what they do, what they do, what they do. And the real estate agents that I see that are absolutely just those lions, those rock stars, are the agents that are providing value to people. Be someone and pick whatever it is, right? If you are, if you are passionate about your local community, then figure out a way to provide value to people about the community or, or the charities you're involved in. Or, you know, if you've been someone that's lived in your area for a long time and you know a lot about that area, start educating people about the area. I have a, an agent that we interviewed on the Bombcast that she decided that she was going to provide a service for the schools by you know, talking about the different thing that the schools are doing. And so when people are trying to relocate to the area, that's one of the questions that people always want to know. What are the schools like? Well, she's established herself as the expert in the area that has all the value to add about what the different schools are doing. So that would be my one piece of advice. Don't worry so much about telling people what you do, but figure out how to serve. Alicia, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do it? Uh, they can send me an email. I'll give you my email address. It's Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A, at bombbomb, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B.com. 
And they're welcome to find me on social media as well. Alicia Baruti. You've got my the spelling there. There's not any other yeah. Alicia Barutis in the United States. So you should be good there. But yeah, connect with me on social. Send me an email. I, I love, love, love what I do. And I love getting to help people with strategy. It's my favorite. That love absolutely shines through and all of the stuff you're doing, all the video you're preparing. So really well done. Great job. And, and thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.